Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio in a new year by my good friend, my partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, Happy New Year. How are you? Ronald's gone. That seems appropriate. Um, business as usual for the Happy Rant podcast. Um, you're back off the road, man. You did some speaking and some traveling over the break. How are you, man? Doing well. Yeah, I was uh, visited family over Christmas in Minnesota, and then, uh, which ironically, I think it was as cold here in Tennessee as it was there. So it wasn't. Uh, we, it wasn't really like an escape as much as it was just taking the cold with us, I guess. And then, yeah, I got back from that. And then over New Year's was speaking at a place called Camp Susquehanna in uh, outside Williamsport, Pennsylvania. So it's this 75-year-old Christian camp that's been just sort of faithfully doing ministry to local local churches and hosting their own camps and everything for, for a long time. And uh, they some of their staff members are big fans of the show, which is how they Love it. connected with me in the first place. I think they've reached out to you as well about potentially yep. working with their staff at some point. So yep. awesome camp. Uh, if you're in the Pennsylvania area, send, uh, send a church group over that way. But it was a good trip and a, generally a, a great New Year's. Dude, that's awesome. Stuff, being around a camp like that encourages me. I just, uh, I, I find that I feel like a lift in my spirit when I'm around people like that. There, there seems to be a sense of remove, not in a weird way, but just like a one, one layer of remove from the world. And it might even just be the geography of a place like that, right? You have to drive, I don't know, 30 minutes through a forest to get there or whatever. Um, yeah, people are, you know, they, they tend to be about each other, about the Lord, um, a little bit less dialed into image and persona and all the crap that we um, talk about all the time on here. But yeah, uh, I mean this, I mean this with, with as much complimentary and positive positivity as I can pack into this statement. That's going to sound like an insult. Yeah. There is nothing cool about camp ministry. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the workers are not trying to be cool Yep. They're, they're not like so that's i think that's part of that removal you're talking about like they're they're not sort of keeping up with the joneses and being on the yeah. front edge of anything there's just sort of a we have to do what works for discipleship and for faithfulness and for meeting the budget and for whatever yep. other you know all of those things yeah and then there's just sort of a down-to-earthness about the whole thing which is really really great and you know that when you're going to camp like this isn't about luxury and comfort which, yeah. And again, that's not a backhanded sort of like this place is a dump as much as just like, no, everybody here is is just staying in utilitarian circumstances. And that actually helps because it just sort of removes the the distractions and the comparisons and everything else. So, yeah, it, it is. A, it is its own universe. Yeah. And, uh, but but really a really effective and cool way to do ministry as well. Absolutely. hundred percent, man. I absolutely love it. Piper, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to get back in and talk about some of our favorite movie and book plot devices. And I got a question to run by you after this quick break. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. 
Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, Pipe, we're back. We paid some bills. Uh, you floated out a very intriguing uh, kind of palette of topics for this morning's episode. And the first one you said was, what are the best New Year's resolutions for feeling superior? And I'm just going to frame that to you as a question in that I don't ever think a lot about New Year's resolutions, and I'm not on social, so I'm not seeing everybody else's. Um, What were you getting at with this? Slash, what have you run across out there as far (laughs) as New Year's resolutions for feeling superior? Yeah, so this was inspired by, again, the... Uh, the staff at, uh, at Camp Susquehanna, because one of the, the one of their traditions, they they host a college uh, camp over New Year's annually, mm-hmm. and one of the things they do is they uh, their camp director Peter will hand out New New Year's resolutions to the campers. So here, here's okay. the resolution that you need. Here's the one that you need, mm-hmm. and they, they're mostly absurd. But yeah. uh, he was he was crowdsourcing some of these, and brain, I was helping him brainstorm, and we were trying to come up with some that were particularly like well. This is the kind that makes you feel uh, better than other people. So, for example, um, people who who do like dry January or give up coffee. Yeah. You know, there's a way to do that that is for personal benefit. But mostly it's so that you can announce your self-control to the world. You you are better than those who are not giving up the same thing you are. They're not sacrificing the same way. It's sort of, it's, yeah. it's akin to when Jesus talks about how when the Pharisees fast, they like to look all hangdog and, and dress mm. in, in rags. Mm. That's, that's dry January or giving up coffee. So try to yeah. come up with some of those that are like, what is the most sort of emotionally elite? Yes. Uh, New Year's resolution. Dude, so, okay, I have a follow up question on that because you're a pastor, you're a man of the cloth, and not to take this in a, completely serious direction but you know those those verses in the bible to me about fasting as a performative act and then also those always go kind of hand in hand with like praying or giving or doing your acts of spirituality as a performative act doesn't it feel like in 2023 2022 just the era we're in as a culture we and by we i mean almost all Christians are just completely ignoring both of those things. Like, does that track with you as a pastor? Oh, absolutely. And I don't, I'm not sure ignoring is the right word though. It's more like we, we tend to think that anything that happens on the internet doesn't count. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Keep going. Well, I mean, it's so there's a couple areas where this is true. So one is the bragging thing or just the posting about life thing. So, you want to read through the Bible in a year. That's great. Historically yeah. speaking, that's a thing that you might do. Maybe you have a group of friends you're doing it with, but that's more like yeah. uh, discipleship or, or accountability or support. Now right. it's a, it's, it's a platforming thing. 
Yeah. But I, yeah. but I don't think people see the difference. So right. I, I don't think it's so much that they're ignoring it and saying that that command doesn't apply to me as this isn't doing what that command is talking about. There, this is, this is right. even, even though, you know, if you have a thousand followers or 10,000 friends or whatever, and you post that you're really, you're really announcing rather than sharing with. Yeah. We, we've lost that distinction. You see this as well with how mean people are on the internet. Yeah. Um, pe- what happens on the internet doesn't count in people's minds. So you can be an yeah. utter, utter and complete jerk on the internet yeah. while being an elder at your church. And it doesn't count that kind Dude, that, of thing. Yeah. That is completely fascinating to me because I feel like back when I was on the internet, I very much remember feeling very specifically guilty for things that I said and did while on the internet. Um, so for me, like it didn't work to, to compartmentalize like that when in my flesh, I probably would have wanted it to work. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's strange, but I, I think you're right. That just seems like a cultural kind of thing that everybody's tipped their hat to and agreed that somehow for, for us as believers, yeah, if you're bragging, if you're self-flagellating, if you're being the martyr, whatever whatever kind of move you like to do, whatever your favorite move is, uh, it doesn't count if you do it on the internet, which is fascinating. Well, um, yeah, this is this the same as the same is true with with um, any sort of uh, social activism, and I don't yeah. I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but just if you are if mm-hmm. you're involved in a group that is working for uh, the the good of the poor or equality in schools or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's a way to post it socially where you're inviting other people to participate. Cool. And there's mm-hmm. a way to do it that basically says, look, if you're not doing what I'm doing, you are you're a subpar Christian. And yeah. uh, so, again, there's sort of that that uh, what happens on the Internet. You, there are different. There are apparently different moral rules. You know, yeah. the, it doesn't count. It doesn't have the same moral weight. It's not bragging. It's not, you know, tooting your own horn, whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Even banal things, even things that like are completely forgettable. Like you can take a run and like post it via Strava. Like, so everyone can know how far you ran this morning. And it's like, we've gone mad. Like we've all gone crazy. This is, this is wild. Um, but it, it's speaking, speaking of running, that's a, mm-hmm. that is a really good, you know, sort of elitist, uh, emotionally elite new year's resolution, because it's not something you necessarily announce now. But then yeah. come five months from now, when you run the 10K or the half marathon, you can sort of passively say, you know, this year I just sort of quietly set the set the mm-hmm. resolution and the goal to run this. And I'm just yeah. so grateful for this opportunity. And it's been such a great experience. But you, you kind of post brag, you know, after yeah. the fact about the resolution that you then quietly did. But. But but it but it's only satisfactory because you had the chance to publicly announce the completion of the goal. Yeah, no, that's good. That that is sneaky good. I have another question for you, uh, kind of along these lines. And I realize we're we're going off book here, but what, in your opinion, what is the most obnoxious like adult fitness subgroup? So you've got like I don't know joggers, and then you've got cyclists and you've got crossfit people and you've got like power lifters and i don't know i'm aerobics people if it was the 80s like uh oh or uh, like those bikes like spin class people 
like oh, or like pet like peloton people peloton people like so performatively again in your in your life on the internet who who is the most obnoxious like adult fitness people group yeah i mean C- crossfit comes to mind immediately just because there's such a uh because it's not a fitness group it's a lifestyle like it's yeah. a it's a it, there people who run yeah generally speaking don't identify themselves as a runner like that's not their primary right. identity now they might say i'm a runner in the same way that i'm like you know i i'm an eater <laughs> i eat food <laughs> yeah, exactly it's a thing that i do daily yeah um, yeah cyclists are kind of the same way even though cyclists are often really really invested in it because you know a good bike costs a ton of money and they do it with a group of people because there's you know you can go further and it's it's, you know fellowship and all that but crossfit is the one where people are like everything you talk about comes back to crossfit you know yeah you're you're talking about uh a challenge you run into in the office and they're like man that really reminds me uh of a thing this conversation i had at the crossfit gym this morning uh-huh. Um, and blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. it's never just the gym. It's the CrossFit gym. Yeah. And also CrossFit is the only one that comes with its own set of clothes, like street clothes. <laughs> um, like if you're a runner, you know, you don't sort of have a uniform that you wear during the day, but if you're a CrossFit guy, like it comes with that flat brimmed, like black mesh ball cap. Um, all your t-shirts are black. Yeah. Like there's just the uniform for it. You know, and you know what the uniform is. Well, and, uh, and you don't, you, you can, you meet a lot of runners who aren't super intense about everything else. You know, yeah. like they'll be yeah. a runner, but they also like, you know what? I really enjoy burgers, um, yeah. beer, yeah. you know, cupcakes, whatever mm-hmm. you meet a CrossFitter. And, and, and again, it's because this is a lifestyle, like, man, I'm trying to, uh, trying to find the, the proteins that metabolize the best and trying to totally. optimize my, yeah. my beta carotene intake. And you're like, I don't, are you an engine? Like, right. what, are we ta- what is this F1? What are we, what are yeah. we describing here? And, yeah. uh, so yeah, I think, I think from a, I, I think, I think CrossFit is it. Yeah. Um, there, there are, there's a version of just like the gym lifter guy who is almost equally as obnoxious because it's just yeah. sort of braggy and, yeah. and man, the gym manages to slip into, yeah. you know, you're like, Hey, you want to meet for coffee sometime this week? He's like, I don't know. It'd have to be pretty early to, to do before I go to the gym or maybe yeah. a little inconveniently late after I get, I get back from the gym, you know, hey, Dude, you, worked out. Bre- you know, can you want to meet for breakfast? He's like, ah, that usually yeah. take protein shakes before I go to the gym, that kind of thing. Those, those guys who just slip it in. Yeah, I worked I worked out with a guy like that yesterday and uh he did the flex of like how early he gets up and it made me feel bad. Um we were in the locker room and the dude was like, "Yeah, I get up at I'm up at 5 every morning usually to work out." I'm like, "Dang, dude, I feel like a loser now." You know. Um it was tough. That was a good flex by him though. He he won the conversation for sure. Oh, just well, just that. dunk just dunk right back on him and be like, "Man, I'm up at 5 too to read my Bible." There like, we go. That's I, the move. I start my day right. How about you? Exactly. Meathead. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, dude. Uh, Pipe, I want to take another break, and I want to get back, and I want to do another draft. I enjoy doing drafts with you, and this time we're drafting favorite storylines, favorite plot uh, vehicles for movies and books. We'll get into that after this quick break. 
All right, Piper, we're back. You suggested this one. I thought it was brilliant. Um, we're going to do this in the way that we've done a lot of things, which is drafting storylines. But before we get into it, uh, I've got a movie thing that I want to run by you ever so briefly. It was an old movie that I watched over Christmas, and it was an old Christmas movie, that, many of which I avoid. Like, I'm, I'm not an It's a Wonderful Life guy. Uh, but this movie was White Christmas. It came out in 1954. My wife wanted to watch it. So, of course, I said yes. But I fully expected to be bored to death with it. But the opposite thing happened, dude, in a very specific way. In that I get into this movie and I'm, jo- I'm enjoying the like 1950s-ness of it and the aesthetics and the sofas and all that stuff. But um, the storyline actually ended up being about... How in media, because they were singers, they were like famous musicians, how it's like super scumbaggy and everybody's leveraging everybody else. And I was like, oh, that reminds me of Christian publishing. And that was my like entry point into the movie. And because of that, the whole thing made sense. And it was actually pretty deep and pretty nuanced in terms of they didn't they didn't ever like resolve whether or not Danny Kaye's character was just a careerist scumbag who was using everybody um my question to you is have you seen white christmas and did it hit you on that level at all um i haven't seen it all the way through i've seen bits and pieces i there's like four christmas movies i like not counting uh not counting die hard which i i think is a christmas movie but i understand there's some debate around that um i just i don't i don't enjoy christmas movies at all um I don't I I don't dislike old movies or even old musicals, yeah. but it's just one that I've avoided because I'm like, there's just sort of a soul sucking aspect. When you say White Christmas, I am immediately like, oh lord, this is like this to me. It's, it. this, it's a very similar feeling to like a reformed church service where you know this dude's about to preach <laughs> for fifty five minutes, and you're just like, I know, Christ. dude, you get that deflated feeling going yeah. in. You're you're just like buckling up for it. Let me debunk that for you though. Okay. Not to be a well-actually guy, but I, I was pleasantly surprised by this. Um, it bills itself as a Christmas movie in that Christmas is in the title, but it doesn't feel at all like a Christmas movie. In fact, there's like no snow in it until the last 30 seconds of the movie. Spoiler alert. If you, you've had, you know, <laughs> half a century to watch the movie. <laughs> you so. had 75 years to watch it. <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't gotten around to it, that's on you. Um, so yeah, you don't get any snow. It doesn't feel like a Christmas movie. Like a third of it takes place in Miami, which is like the least Christmassy place on the planet. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really more of a it's a media industry movie, and I couldn't believe it. I was I was blown away by that aspect of it, and uh, I don't know. I think it's got some horsepower, some sneaky horsepower. So well, I mean, it it is still being viewed by millions seventy five years after being made. So I'd say it has some some staying power. Uh, yeah. it, that, that is, that is a very good endorsement. Like if you want to make me watch a Christmas movie, uh, yeah. convincing me that it, that a, there's something about it that's a little bit jaded and B it's, it <laughs> yeah. does not feel like a Christmas movie is a really good, that's a really good sales pitch. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man, for sure. Well, speaking of good plots and storylines, Piper, um, we are going to kick this draft off. I'm going to give you the number one overall pick because you came to the table with such a great, um topic this morning i'm going to give you round one pick one of the uh great plot devices draft so piper you are on the clock 
Oh, man, this is tough. I think my favorite movie plot, also book, but movie plot device, or just the one that, like, when this is the case, I'm almost always suckered into it, is the, it's the one last job plot device. Oh, dude, one last job is so good. It's you know, so good. I'm I'm jealous of you for having that take. But well, keep you going. gave you gave me the first overall pick. And yeah. So you know, it's there's a lot of right answers here. But that and so this this one works well because it it works for like heist movies. You know. Yeah. It's the you're called out of retirement for one last job. Just it's the yeah. it's the last big score. It also works for cop movies. Um, yeah, dude, totally. You know, one one last one last case. This is my last case before I'm out, and I'm gonna go to live on my bungalow uh, yeah. out in the mountains. It it also works for military movies. You know, yeah, you, la- you get that dude mission. who's like a a week away from retirement, yep. and he could just like move the papers around on his desk, or he could go for it and try to try to blow the case wide open. No, I yeah. love that dude. And it um, uh, it and it opens the door for a number of other plot devices, which may or may not show up in my draft, but the the one last job is just a like if you just said one last job, I feel like so many good movie writers will be like, oh, yeah, totally. I can I can turn that into I can turn that into an awesome movie, whether we're talking about Mafia or Navy SEALs or the FBI yep. or whatever. Yeah. It's going to work. Yeah. And you're asking the question, did he hang around too long? You know, is he is he staying too too long in this or does he have one more like magical run in him? No, I love it, man. I love it. One last job on its way to Team Piper. It's up on stage right now, getting the jersey, getting the ball cap. Our draft room is a little despondent because we didn't get one last job, but we have a we have a strong one. I feel like this one is like the the Peyton Manning of of first round plot device picks for me. It's uh it's father son reconciliation. Oh, that's uh, a if, good one. Good choice. If, if that's in a movie at all, I'm in, dude. I'm so in. So I'm thinking about like Field of Dreams, Elizabethtown. Again, you could set it in sports. You could set it in, uh, I don't know, small town Americana. You could set it in the past. I'm pretty much always in on father-son stuff in a movie. And that's that's who I'm bringing into the fold for my my first round pick. Yeah, that that's a really good one. It's Okay, so is this particularly reconciliation? Or is there is it more just like father son relational dynamic? Father son relational dynamic is a part of this, yeah. I, so I would I would take both, but I'm thinking like, dude, when he has the catch with his dad at the end of Field of Dreams, yeah. I'm wrecked. I'm in tears at the end of Friday Night Lights when uh, Billingsley's kind of scumbaggy dad slips his like you know state championship ring on Don's finger. I'm done, dude. Just I'm. I'm yep. done. I'm I'm, you know, wiping the tears away. So those are more reconciliation, but like the Elizabethtown vibe of, you know, my dad died. I've got to travel across the country to bury him. But really the movie is me thinking about him, what made him a great person, a great dad, how to honor somebody, you know, so you're you're dealing with some of that stuff. I'm in, dude. I'm always in on that. And um that's my number one pick. Piper, you're on the clock. Uh, for your second round pick, what do you got? Oh man, this one's this one's uh tough. I think this is related to my first one. I have sort of a type here, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the Al Davis of drafters. I'm just going for speed, guys. Here, <laughs> you're going height, weight, speed. Yeah, yeah, love it. It is the it. It's not the one last job because this guy doesn't intend to take a job. It is the it is the retired special ops guy. 
Oh, dude, that's very close to one of mine. So, uh, but it's different enough. So this works. Keep going. So like Denzel Washington did a bunch of these. Uh, Liam Neeson has made mm. a career out of these. Yeah, he's taken. He's made this. He's made the same movie eleventeen times at this point. Totally. Um, but the retired special ops guy. And the thing is, I think I like this more now than ever because I can no longer look at myself in the mirror and be like, I I could have gone into the military. Now I yeah. look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I would have had to retire from everything physically active. That's uh, yeah. I'm I'm at that point in life. So like, I'm too old to be army. I'm too old to be anything. A field agency. So, yeah. so I resonate with the, the old retired special ops guy who still just absolutely takes name and, uh, and yeah. kicks enemies all over the yeah. place. But he has a dad bod so we can relate to him. Yes. I love that one. So my second round pick is in the same mold. Um, so we're, we're both like, it, this is like when there's a run on, you know, wide receivers or whatever. My second round pick is the reluctant tough guy slash normal guy who gets pressed into action. Um, yeah. So I'm thinking of like Red Dawn here. I'm thinking of this movie from the 90s called The Edge where you yep. drop a normal dude into a really difficult situation and he has to navigate it. He's the reluctant tough guy. But then you put him in that situation and you re- he realizes like he's got a little bit more in the tank than he thought he had. And um, I dig that, dude. And it's it's cool as a kind of corollary to this when, like, that guy's wife or love interest can, like, see him being a tough guy and be impressed or his kids can see it. Like, like dad's got a little more juice than we thought. And yeah. um, I, I love reluctant tough guy slash normal guy pressed into action. Yeah, that, that one resonates because, like, every suburban dad wishes at some level wishes that somebody would invade our home. Yeah. Just so we can use the baseball bat in the closet or whatever. Like we, we, we have a game plan mapped out of how we would fight this dude. And so we want to know if we can be the tough guy in, in, you know, in polo and khakis, like, are, are we the secret tough guy? Oh, a hundred percent. And also just because our lives are so effing boring. You know, at the end of the day, man, our our lives are predictable. We've gotten them to a place where they are predictable, uh, which I guess is what we wanted. But they're also very boring. So we want to know if we've got it in us. And uh, I dig that as a plot device. Piper, round three, you're on the clock. What do you got? Okay, so this one's this one's way out of left field for me because it, it generally is in books and movies that I have no interest in watching. But I love it as okay. a device, as a plot okay. device. It is the sneaky hot nerd. Yep, I had that, um, but I, I'm happy for you that you that you got this sneaky hot nerd. Um, so you know, and in, in so you know, te- teen teen movies, uh, rom coms. There's the person who is very obviously attractive and has very obviously been made up to look less attractive. For but they the just movie. put glasses on her, you know, and, and you as know, soon as she, yeah, and, and pin the hair up, you know, whatever. Yeah, it pin is. the hair up. And, and yep. usually wear something that's closer to tweed than anything, you know, mm-hmm. fashionable or sleek. And yeah. uh, and then there's then there's sort of the coming out scene, whether that's uh, at a dance or whatever. And all of a sudden people are like, oh, we've, we, we've had a hottie in our midst and we totally missed it. And yeah. uh, we, I just as a device, it is so amusing to me, but also like it, it it's a thing on which an entire movies hinge movies that have been massively successful so as a device i think it's it's genius dude i love that that's really good um i've got one that's 
kind of similar to that, but a little bit different. My round three pick is washed up older guy decides to try. Um, so you meet this older guy in the first act. It's always Bill Murray or like late career Hugh Grant. And they're just done. Like they've kind of given up on life. They're doing that hangdog kind of hipster uh, monotone delivery of their lines. Uh, but then something in the movie makes them try. It might be like a kid who's getting picked on or it might be like, you know, my daughter's in crisis or whatever. And uh, they, they decide to try not in a tough guy way, but just in like I'm a reengaging with life way. And it could be funny sometimes. It could be heartfelt. But I'm pretty much always here for a washed up older guy deciding to deciding to uh, to try. And I feel like old Bill Murray has made a career out of being that guy. Yeah. That that's a really good one. Again, this is this this is demographically uh, specific. I think yeah, people, yeah. people who love this character are people who who uh, are akin to this character. But uh, totally. but, but yeah. has has contributed to some really good stories. That's a good one. Indeed. Um, and I promise not all of these are going to be about me moving forward. <laughs> um, even though the first few have been totally. Uh, Piper, what do you got in round four? I feel like now as we get into the mid and late rounds of the draft, we're going to be going for like guys to fill like oddly specific roles, which is almost even more fun than the than the yeah. super at hand ones. What do you got? The next two on my draft board are very much guys to fill specific roles. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just people too. This is not gender specific. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go way off the board with this one because I, I I don't think it's on your board. It's probably not yeah. on anybody's board because it's a plot device that is actually a a blank space in movies. Okay. So rather than a thing they did, it's a thing they didn't do, and I'm gonna call mm. it the mistake they didn't make. Oh, interesting. So, Explain. So so much conflict and controversy and and the plot points that movies turn on are by people doing things like not telling someone a secret had they just told them the whole plot falls apart because now people can just talk it out you know yeah like watch seinfeld and uh and it hinges on this kind of thing now i'm Mm. not i don't want to undermine seinfeld but there are times in movies where you see somebody do the noble thing and they just they just tell the truth so it's the mistake they didn't make or they they don't cheat on their spouse right right they didn't make and yeah it's a it is a like big sigh of relief plot device that the person just just did the decent thing yeah and uh so i'm gonna go with that one and this one's this one's weird because very very rarely can you think about it and be like oh that's that point in the movie but you're like had that happened this whole thing is just it's off the rails so yeah the mistake they didn't make is my what are we on round four round four yeah choice. no i love that dude that's like drafting a punter like a round or two too early but it's a it's a really great punter you know, he he only does the one thing, but he <laughs> but he does it really well. This is so damning with faint praise. No, no, dude, I'm in on it. This is like the Sebastian Janikowski pick from the Raiders. Like you are Al Davis. You're Al Davis in this exercise. <laughs> and also, just by way of a brief PSA, if you hear someone hiccuping in the background, uh, it's my wife KK. Um, we're working together in the same office today, and she has uh she has the hiccups. So, um, that's a little value add on the program. Uh, well, I, I feel know. bad for her because hiccups are one of those. They're just they're miserable when you're stuck with them. So, yeah, I always tell her to go just eat a spoonful of of peanut butter, um, which always which always works. It, it's completely predictable as far as being a thing that works, but she always like resists it for some reason. And it's um, delicious. I think she she feels like. 
this is a very Calvinist kind of mindset. She feels like she has to defeat the hiccups on her own. You know, she wants to like crush it in her mind vice and be better than the hiccups. But then like well, eventually she relents and has the peanut butter. Not to go theologically nerdy, but that's like, if that's the way Calvinists think, boy, have they misunderstood their own theology. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, we believe in grace, but hold my beer while we make a bunch of law. You know, that's that's kind of the <laughs> kind of the vibe. But um, my, very right, ho- my very hoppy IPA while we make. Yeah, a bunch hold of my beer. hold my eleven dollar hoppy IPA while I create a bunch of new law. Um, all right, back to the draft. I got to I got to take a look at my board here. Um, I'm going to take a swing. I had I had this one lower on my board. But because you took a big swing, I'm going to take a big swing with this one. And uh, again, we're going oddly specific. This is me drafting like like David Palmer onto the Vikings in the late 90s. Like just a kick returner. But like a really, in college, electrifying kick returner who's going to average like 17 yards per return in the league and be done in three years. But uh, this this is my fourth round pick. Nobody in my metro area understands me. Right, so this is a this is a hipster movie trope. So you think about a movie like Lady Bird, where she lives in like Sacramento, and somehow she's just the coolest, most insightful, most um, you know, kind of clever seventeen year old in the entire city of Sacramento, which probably has like one point five million people in it, and no one understands her. And in fact, she has to go to like manhattan like halfway across the country to find someone who understands her and it's it's an obnoxious trope but i kind of like it and i'm i i kind of am in on it whenever i run across it in a movie so in round four i'm going nobody in my metro area understands me uh you could have just you could have just said the the phrase enneagram four and yeah. it would have summed up everything you just said because it 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 is that character. It is your appreciation of the character. It is yeah. why you both loathe and love the character. It's kind yes. of all of it. Yeah, no, that's a good point, dude. And I usually do hate the character because I hate other Enneagram fours. Um, but I kind of enjoy the storyline. I enjoy somebody saying it out loud. Um, like, look at what a butthole this person is basically, um, while (laughs) acknowledging that I am that butthole, you know, it's a, it's complicated. Uh, all right, Piper round five. What do you got? I got a few more. I don't know how your board is looking, but there's a few more prospects on, on my board. I'm, uh, I'm it's, it's thin, but Uh but you're also inspiring me to think up a few more. So I have one more that I'm, that I'm really glad to get at this point in the draft. This feels like one of those those late rounders that, that might become, that might become like a four time all star kinds of, uh, yeah. kind of thing. It is, it is the, the one more thing plot device. Mm. So think a detective who's, uh, yeah. maybe playing the, well, like Columbo made this famous. Yeah. You know, just, just one more question. <clears throat> yeah. It's the one more thing that blows open the case or reveals mm. the secret. And so, you, yeah. They're they're on the brink. They're interviewing. They're cross examining, and then just just one more thing. Yeah, they're and, about to leave. He's like yeah. he's packing his briefcase, and then he he pauses for a, a, a half a second, and gets that little wry smile, and he's like, "Hey, you know, it's an interesting cigarette brand. Why don't you tell me where you got those?" Yes. and then you know the guys the guy's countenance falls, and you know that like they're on the cusp of he's, something huge. He's been got so that yeah. that device like I. 
I'm a sucker for, for cop movies, uh, mystery types of things. And, mm-hmm. uh, that one always gets me. And it just, it is so reliably good. And if, and if the rest of the, if the rest of the movie is good, that's just sort of a like, you kind of fist yeah. pump at that point. You're like, yes, that's what I was waiting for. The whole thing b- breaks open. Dude, I have an oddly specific compliment to pay you. I think you would have been a cop. I think you would have been a really good <laughs> cop, like a, a really good, like, detective. I could see you, like, you know, ripping, ripping a ciggy on the way to the squad car and, like, kind of being a little jaded, but, like, there's a, there's a good heart of gold in there somewhere. And, and uh, I, I could see it, like, alternate career paths. I, um, I can't, I can't a, say that smoking cigarettes and being jaded hasn't been part of my life at various <laughs> exactly. points anyway. So you managed you know, to pull that off despite not being a cop. That's right. Well I'm, done. Oddly specific and accurate. Yeah. I love it. All right, dude. Round five for me. This one, I'm surprised it's still on the board. I probably waited a little too long on it, but I'm thrilled to get it here. Uh, New England boarding school movies from the 1950s. Uh, if it's a boys boarding school in the fifties, I'm in, uh, you're getting some friend stuff. You're getting some like dynamics with the teachers. You're getting probably some cheating on an exam. I'm in, uh, these movies are always a nice time. I love school ties. Um, I'm, I'm a new England boarding school, 1950s movie guy. So, uh, thrilled to bring that one into the facility in round five. Um, do you have anything on that, or do you want to get right to round six? Boy, that is that is so specific. Um, yeah. Okay, so you said movies, boarding school movies from the 50s. I thought you meant movies made in the 50s, and I was like, I cannot think of a single one of them. And then you said no, school no. ties, and I was like, oh, 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 set. Yeah, in set the in the 50s. Yes. Yeah, I want to get that nice sweater. I'm getting the, you're getting the leaves blowing in the opening shot because yeah. it's fall. And then, it, and then it becomes winter, and that's Dude, when, like, that- the relationship's. That's off. such a good pick. It sets up so, so many opportunities for conflict and resolution. Because you have classism, totally. you have racism, totally. you have, you have jocks versus nerds, you have oh. evil faculty versus noble students. I mean, yep. so many things going on there that, uh, yeah. you sort of protect them from the outside world and then like going into the outside, like maybe they get called to go serve in World War II. That's the forties, I realize. But yeah, there, there is, there's so much opportunity there. Uh, oh, dude, for, it's huge. For that's like having a, other plots. That's like having a lineup where all five guys can score. You know, it's almost like there's not enough basketballs to go around. But, uh, but yeah, you're excited about it nonetheless. Um, round six, Pipe. Who you got? Oh, man. I. You'll need to tell me if this is draft eligible or not. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I'm not sure if it's a plot device or not. So I'm going to try to specify it such that it, that it fits. Because mm-hmm. if... Because you went, you went very specific with sort of a setting. Yeah. For me, it is the it, it's the kind of movie where the Wild West is one of the characters. So, yeah, like, I love it. The it's not just a western, but like yeah. the West is a character. So think like Lonesome mm-hmm. Dove, where yeah. the whole thing doesn't work if it's not in that place. <laughs> totally. Within, so. The the Wild West as a character uh, is it's especially great for books, but it totally works in movies as well. Yeah, no, I love that. That's really nice. Um, by the way, I feel like there's a ton of stuff on right now that that's true of. Like we're watching 1923, um, which is on Paramount Plus. It's like a continuation of the um, 
the Yellowstone deal the, where they're yeah, going it's like to the a, past. Yeah, it's like a prequel for it, right? Yeah, so there was 18, I don't know, 1823, and now there's 1923 or whatever. And uh, yeah, they're all out in the out in kind of the Wild West, and it's a really fun watch. Uh, all right, let's... I'm going to do my sixth rounder, and then we'll we'll wrap up with any like undrafted free agents, and then I got to hop. So um, this one, dude, to me, this is the plot equivalent of like the guy who was really great in college, but probably is going to get to the pros and be disappointing. But because it's round six, you're you're taking a flyer there. This is like the the Pat White uh, pick <laughs> for me. Um, falling in love across social strata. Uh, I feel like it happens a lot. I feel like it's not a thing that I enjoy the most, but it's a, it's still a really good thing. Um, I'm thinking of a movie like far and away, which is not the best Tom Cruise movie by a long shot, but like, he's the, he's like the bare knuckle scrapper, like Irish dude. And she's the socialite. They fall in love. I'm kind of in on that. And, um, you know, despite that not being a very good movie, if I'm in a hotel room and it's on, I'm watching it. So I got... That's yeah. this. This is like I don't think it's Pat White. I think what you just did was pick like a sixth round guard who was a yeah. three time All Conference player. Does, isn't quite big enough to play tackle, and it's a boring pick. But he's going to start for you for twelve years. And <laughs> dude, you're right. Because, yeah, I mean Romeo and Juliet, Titanic. Yeah. I know uh, it. I mean, we, uh, the Prince and the Pauper, and a whole bunch. Like, classic literature is built yep. around this along with all sorts of movies. So is it boring? Yes. Yeah. Does it is work it effective all the time? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty consistent. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Everybody in the draft room uh, feels pretty good about it right now. So we're yeah, like it's, it's the draft pick that nobody will praise. And four years from now, you'll be like, wow, that was a uh, boy. Was that a good value? A solid pickup. Yeah. He's become the cornerstone of their offense. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what do you got, Pipe? All right, so we're into the uh, we're into the sort of like picks I would have made, or these are the free agents. Yeah, undrafted free agents. All right, I've got two of these that I that I'm thrilled to have on my team. Um, yeah. But w- one of them is very similar to the falling in love across social strata because it's just one of those like it always works, but it's really boring. And it yeah. is it's it's the Robin Hood premise. Yep. The, perfect. The, the noble criminal taking down the evil powers that be who are supposed to be lawful. So the Robin hood premise is always, is always entertaining. That's a 12 year starter. Um, and you're getting, you're getting a couple pro bowls there too. That's really solid. Um, good pick. Uh, who's your next undrafted free agent? We'll just do Um, both yours and then we'll do both of mine. My other one is, uh, it's very similar to your 1950s, uh, boarding school. Except um, not not nearly as specific. The specificity made that fit your team really well. Mine is mm-hmm. just simply brotherhood. So oh, massive. I yeah. don't I don't just mean relationships between brothers. Although when those movies are done well, they're yeah. spectacular. I mean like uh, band of brothers or band the of sand, brothers or the military. Two, yeah, two right. very different premises premises. Yep. Uh, but but built around the brotherhood. Of you know the camaraderie that we've got each other's backs, the friendship, the built around a cause, a common enemy, all of those things. Uh, Huge brotherhood holds it down for me. Huge, no, I love it. Uh, all right, so we're uh, we're working the phones as well over here in our in our draft room. Um, I've got Chicago during Prohibition. Um, oh, I'm bringing it in. So, oh man, that's so good. 
Yeah, dude, I love old Chicago stuff. I love suits. I love fedoras, Tommy guns. If there's any of that going on in the movie, I'm in on it. Uh, Chicago during Prohibition, I think, is going to come in, make the club, uh, contribute, and um, do do a nice job. So I've I've got that one. So and then quick, fine. quick, quick yeah. word of praise for that pick. Just a very yeah. specific example. So a few years ago, I watched the show Boardwalk Empire, which was yeah. It was fine. It was a good show. Had some great acting. Mm-hmm. It dragged a little bit. It was, you know, kind of unnecessarily uh, naked at points. Prestige. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and it's set, it's set in Atlantic City, New Jersey primarily. Mm-hmm. But there, there's a whole plot line, and this isn't a spoiler alert. There's a whole plot yeah. line that brings in Chicago. Oh. And it, it was the most interesting and best part of the show. Uh, yes. So there's just a like, look, Mafia New York, fine. Kind of, yeah. It it, it 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 can work. It can be boring. Mafia New yeah. Jersey, same thing. Yeah. Mafia Chicago, always fascinating. Always magical. Yeah. Nobody romanticizes Atlantic City. I mean, at the end of the day, nobody's like, ah, I just really want to watch an Atlantic City movie, you know? But uh, starring Steve Buscemi, the least attractive movie star ever. Totally. Totally. Um, no, that's a good insight for sure. Uh, my last one, my last undrafted free agent, and this one can go really good or really bad. Like this premise has been responsible for a lot of bad movies, I think, which is why it didn't get drafted. But the, the archetypal version of this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, this premise is just die hard in a whatever. So die hard in a nail salon, die hard in a, you know, boys boarding school, die hard on a ship. Um, just die hard anywhere where like a group of bad guys descends on a place. And then the good guys have to, defend it or find a way out or whatever i'm uh i'm a fan of that on an idea level though the execution sometimes falls flat yeah and the thing is even the bad ones of those are still like when you get to so for example last night we had we'd gotten back from traveling i had quick jumped into some work things and i was just cooked last night like yeah. that's the kind of movie that that i want to turn on and oh and lauren had to had to be somewhere so i was just home by mm. myself she doesn't mm-hmm. love this so 90 minutes, two hours of that yep. is yep. is sort of the perfect like morphine for the brain. Just bzzz, it's totally delightful. It is delightful. Yeah, that's the perfect like, oh, wait a minute. I found myself alone in the house for two hours. What am I going to do kind of kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great time. Pipe, this has been a great time. Um, good for a show. I like when we come out of the gate strong to start a new year. Uh, we've done what we always do on this program. And until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.